0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 11, A Price Far Above Rubies, Beat Sheet, August 23rd,
1: 1989.
0: Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host... Dr. Trek, Larry Nemcek. Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans, for another edition of the Trek Files. Yes, I am talking you Trek historians, especially because that's that's what we uh, that's what we delve into here on the Trek Files. All you canonistas, I say that lovingly, and you you Trek heads, you tech heads. Hey, look, all you Trek-a-files, however you slice it, spelled with an F. We're back with another one of our great recent guests. Uh, we're still in the next gen early era, uh, some fascinating behind the scenes insights and details and I hope even more about the cast of characters that were in play in the early years of Next Generation. So yes, I'm talking about Hannah Louise Sheer is our guest again today. Different document of course this week. You can see it right there at our page on Facebook, facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. It's a long one. It's a story, early story draft pitch. So check that out. Here is an audio sample, but you want to come right back, hang on, and I'll be right back with Hannah. Teaser, scene two, Troy's quarters. Troy is feeling particularly vulnerable and stressed. Beverly advises Troy, therapist, heal thyself, and is teaching her... Earth's ancient art of yoga. They do sun salutations, while Troy is interrupted constantly by crew members. She's never off duty. <laughs> She's never off duty. This is, the, uh, this is the original story pitch draft for uh, what became The Price, shortened the title. And it was the last go round for the next generation for our guest today who had been a staff writer first season in a time, a generation long before Michael Piller's third season. So Hannah, thank you for joining us again. Hannah Louise Shear, everyone, a veteran of many, many Hollywood shows and of a certain time on (laughs) Next Generation. Uh, Mainly we were talking before the first season and maybe we can even talk more about the chaos and the bridge aspects of all of that. But here you are, off staff change in showrunners and michael piller has reached out to you to do this script so i'm i'm hoping you uh whatever happened in your first time on staff i'm hoping this was maybe a more pleasant experience
1: oh absolutely michael piller was just a lovely lovely man and i think he and rick berman took me to lunch i was shocked that they called because shows don't usually do that so they took me to lunch
0: well let's let's remember let's refresh again you were on staff and seemingly do it, it's not like things went really sour that you no. were performing, and then we had the writer strike, and going from season one to season two, and
1: and then you know nothing, and then bye bye without saying bye bye. So um, I, I you know clearly I did a couple of things that I barely remember doing um, on the show, and then uh, um, when Mike took over, he called. I, They must have been, you know, they had a full staff of writers, excuse me, who were always in the room. So I was just very surprised that I got the call, but, but I did. And I came in and I pitched to, um, an entire room of writers, if I remember, um,
0: they're they're probably on the buck here because it had started to settle down. I mean, on the, uh, the. The distribution list here. Uh, oh, Michael. Amazing. But then also Hans Beimler, Ricky Manning, and Melinda. Oh yeah, and i still there. Like
1: everybody was in the room. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just um not how I grew up in the business, but fine. It, and I remember I remember getting into a disagreement with one of them, and I have no idea who. In the office, we were arguing about Troy. I think they were denigrating the boyfriend by saying he was, uh, you know, and he was an empath who, who, who read people's minds. And there, that was a really, really bad thing. And I argued, I said, excuse me, that's what Troy does. That's what they pay her to do. And so we're going back and forth and arguing. And Mike Miller is behind the desk and he's going, oh, this is great. This is great. Put it all in the script. <laughs> so um, so that, that is a memory I have of working in the, the writer's room. I have to say that the finished script turned out much better than the outline that you're posting. Right. I looked at the outline, and I'm going, oh, oh. Um, much of it changed in the script. I mean, first of all, I don't think Picard was in the first half of the, script, of the outline. It was, I'm, I'm going, where's Picard? So, uh, interesting. But the script turned out pretty well. They did change the, the main thing to a wormhole, which I knew mm-hmm. nothing about. So that had to be rewritten. But, um, but in the end, I think that one turned out pretty well. Again, sorry, I'm going to just whine a little bit. I was not Please. happy with the casting of the guy. I mean, she, she's gorgeous. She was gorgeous. She's still gorgeous. She was a wonderful actor on the show. She had such um, compassion and, and empathy. And I just adored her. And she, they put her with this guy who was such a nebbish. And
0: Matt McCoy. playing. I, remember, De- I don't know who
1: he was. I didn't care. I'm going, oh my God, they did it again. They did it to me again. They ruined the episode. No, they didn't ruin the episode. It's still pretty good. I'm 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 pretty proud of that one. So, um, yeah.
0: Well, what? So what? So you. This is early. This is a fairly early. It's the first half of the season. Yeah, and then of course called me
1: again. So, what can I say?
0: Oh sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I didn't know if you had a sense of this. Maybe after you got into it, and you hadn't had any contact with Michael from before, right? No. You hadn't worked no. with him.
1: I, I may have known him from various organizations or you know, casually. Right. But no, no. I, had, I had
0: nothing nothing really a bonding relationship. No, no well bonding. You know, he came in he came in late to the third season. He was actually the second person to you know, Michael Hurley left, Michael Wagner was there about a month or two and then Michael came in, so he was behind and constantly right. b riding the rims, he would say, but he was also trying to shift the gear of the show and get out of the the mission of the week or the monster of the week and get it more into family relations, which is what became the hallmark of next generation and, and all the star treks, get it back to the relationships. So I didn't know. How, and, and gradually it's the season that ended with the best of both worlds, which exploded in popularity in the ratings. And then after that's really when the series took off, but you can see halfway through the season, some of the episodes "Sins of the father and yesterday's enterprise and some of the classic next-gen early shows and the beginning was just crazy and this is actually one that i think was one of the ones that you could see things starting to turn and i didn't you had no sense of any of that when you came in and when they first you're in shock that they called you and then you come into this big room to do your pitching right right
1: this big room with i don't know it felt like 100 people it wasn't but um <laughs> you know it's, um it's it's very very different now from what it was then now you have writers on staff, so everyone's always pitching to a writer's room, so you get used to doing that. That was not the case in that in those days. Mm-hmm. So you usually pitch to one or two people, the showrunner um the e p whomever and um, so right. that it was it was a very uh, different experience. you know I ended up doing a lot of soap operas and uh, that then you're on staff and you have eight people in the room. So, by you know, it, by that time you get, you get used to it. So this was, yeah. this was a very, uh, it was a different experience. And, and Mike was, was really nice. And he was very complimentary and then I never heard from him again. So what can I say? It was. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to say they let you keep it. Did anyone do a rewrite on this or did you pretty much no. get to work no, it all actually, the way through?
1: They, I don't think
0: so. Certainly not on. I mean, no one's credited, story. but that doesn't mean no, anything, no. as you know you yourself. Know, I
1: think there was. Uh, I worked uh, when we changed it from uh, we changed it from some kind of mining experience to uh, the discovery of a wormhole. Right. And then we changed it from um, the guy just falling in love with her and to being an empath as well.
0: Uh, and hiding that And secret. hiding
1: that from her. Right. So, yeah, which means... But I'm saying
0: as, those, as those changes came in, you were the one to handle the changes. I
1: handled those. So they, You know, the, the, the wormhole thing, I, I wrote a, a big chunk of that, but uh, I think some of the staff writers may have worked on that in one or two acts, but mostly it was my stuff. Mm-hmm. And have, mm-hmm. had they gone after credit, I would have killed them. So, <laughs> I would no. I will.
0: Well, so, well, let's let me talk about that. We're talking about uh, Troy in this one. Now, you you were trying to be you had a romantic angle with uh, you know with varying results. What they had to see Paris. So again let's talk about being the 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 elephant in the room is that you were the and 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 melinda was there by then and you were reaching out i know michael was probably going back through the the rolodex of people who had already written for the show when he was behind and madly trying to fill slots so good on you and then and then you even had he used something on ds9 that we'll figure out in a minute (laughs) for (laughs) culis but but i'm just like what did you did he say come in and pitch did he say hey can you write something for troy do you Uh, remember your marching orders or the invitation i
1: don't i don't remember that part i just remember saying can you uh uh, can you come and we'd like you to do a script Yeah, yeah i i don't remember if i if i pitched to them at lunch or in the room I'm guessing I didn't pitch at lunch because I had no idea what they wanted. So I probably didn't prep for that. But, um, you know, I always felt that Troy was underused.
0: Underused so, and misunderstood, maybe, because that was part of the evolution of the show and her character, too. And
1: yeah, yeah, was... She, she was really, you know, underused. But um, they, they tended to do that, certainly the first couple of years, with the, uh, which is why um, Tasha Yar left because underused. so mm-hmm. um, But, and, you know, I can't remember if they used Beverly Crusher more or not, but she had a more, um, you know, definitive task. So it mm-hmm. would have been easier.
0: Yeah, you re- notoriously saw Troy not counseling. I mean, it was a rare moment when she finally got a counseling room, an right. office. Right,
1: <laughs> counselor. So basically Eventually, what they is had her a, there was to to read the minds of aliens.
0: Right. And maybe maybe counsel Picard when she thought he was going over the line or, or yes. something. But her, her day her day job finally yeah. started to show through a little bit. I'm just trying to think what I'd love to talk about here is also like your time as a woman in Hollywood at that time. I mean, just to be blunt about it. And you were on staff and you we laugh about the, the one woman at a time on staff rule then. Um, what was it like, I mean, you've kind of alluded to it, but you had a lot of, a lot of bosses in the room, whether they were in the room when you pitched or as you worked on staff or, or, or later as a freelancer here, When, what I, was... when I
1: started in the business and I was working with Bob Senator on emergency, he said, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be you. And uh, he said, and he laughed and he said, that's impossible. You know, the crew would never accept you. And I said, watch. So, um, you know, I, we, he, was a, he was a brilliant, incredibly talented man. And he allowed me to become uh, way more than anyone thought I could become. So I was used to that. I was, I was used to punching through. I was not going to let anybody stop me just because of my gender. So they still have issues. I don't, you know, we have, there are way, way, way more women in Hollywood now in positions of authority, as there should be, but not nearly enough.
0: I, uh, I remember the controversy about the price. One of the things being that we had, we had a Marina, we had Deanna in a nightgown in bed, and there were some I mean, do you remember the, was there, contra, you know, the whole sexual limit of the show where that was at the time and, and depicting even, even, you know, just baby steps toward, oh, look, these, these folks have sex on, in their spare time. I
1: so, um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, she, she wanted to portray her as a woman who had uh, feelings and emotions and a life because what you, what you didn't see on the show a lot when, when I was on the show is um, that they were they're human beings.
0: So, but no more phone calls after this. I guess things settle down. I, except for the DS9 episode. So q I'm thinking maybe Michael was trying to pay you a little homage there and take an idea crumb from a next-gen, something you did, and um, with Q, because with, you didn't write a Q episode with John Delancey. Certainly, yeah.
1: you know, and and as I said, I, I was I really liked John Delancey. So um, having having cast him and other stuff.
0: Wait, wait, wait. What did you what did you have John in?
1: Oh, um an emergency spinoff uh, spin-off we did, a two-hour emergency spin-off toward the end of its run. I think it was like in 70 1978, and we cast John as a um, as a doctor. And it would have been a spin-off and he would have played a doctor.
0: Been a been a regular on this spin-off show? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I think I think he was in the San Francisco show. So um yeah. So I felt you know, I saw him long before he played Q, but uh his great as Q.
0: Well, I remember him from his years uh in the soaps playing Eugene the Crazy Inventor. Um Wow. Well, so, so, I mean, really, really quickly, you worked with Maury Hurt, some of these colorful characters like Leonard Mezlisch, the attorney. Oh, dear God.
1: Okay. Can I, wait, I can't get sued, can I? Uh, (laughs) Wait, (laughs) they're they're gone, right? Okay. So yeah, Leonard Mezlisch and I actually had a decent relationship because I was lucky because he had rented an, office in my dad's law firm and so he and he he liked my dad so he was actually pretty nice to me he didn't give me wow he did not give me a hard time um now maybe he still had the office in my dad's firm i'm not sure about the timing of it and that maybe
0: we're talking about Gene uh gene roddenberry's legendary infamous uh pitbull attorney (laughs) (laughs)
1: consigliere
0: His consigliere, yes, better term. Yeah. Uh, and no offense to any of the pit bulls out there, uh, yes. No,
1: I love pit bulls. So, <laughs> so Leonard was actually a very pleasant wow. to me.
0: You were in a rare club, though. apparently a small club. This is what I
1: understood yeah. later. Yes, he was not. You know.
0: So. but you talked about Michael Pillar. What about Maury Hurley, who, oh, dear. who was?
1: Uh, oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, Uh, He was very talented. He was a very talented writer. And uh, he just, he he was, uh, I I think he was a very typical male producer, writer of his time. And um, he wasn't particularly nice to me. So, Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, I was working for him. He didn't have to be nice to me. It would have been a happier experience had he been. But um, I have to say most people in this business are, um, yeah. you know, they're not empaths. They're not like Troy. So <laughs> they, they have their own agendas and um, right. Cory certainly had his own agenda.
0: Well, you you wound up spending a lot of your career working in soap operas later for a long time, and had had a lot of the series work. I mean, what do you? How, how do you look back now? It sounds like you haven't been. I mean, you're not a guest on the convention circuit. It was kind of a small window, although I will say that you were there at a great time and saw a lot in, in an extended conversation. I'd still love to have with you sometime. But uh, how do you look back at your Star Trek days and the and even like Star Trek then in the industry? Do you, do you watch any of the current shows? Do you watch uh-huh. any? Other I, I,
1: I do. Um, no. Right now, I'm uh, both teaching television writing and writing a book, which is coming out at the end of November. So oh. you can look for it, Fortune, Fortune's Son, and uh, I'm very happy with how it turned out. So
0: Now, is that, is that about nonfiction, about your career? No, 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 no,
1: no, no. That... It's a fiction. It's about a detective oh. and his nine-year-old son who happens... See, Star Trek never goes away. The nine-year-old son tends to have visions. So some of that never leaves you when you write about it. So, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's about a parent trying to adjust to this reality that he doesn't believe in. So, and the son gets in trouble. It's very well done. I'm very proud of it. So that's that's good. good. Um, So I look back on Star Trek. It was a great learning experience. And um, I, I think I, I, I was happy to do some good writing on it. And it's still there. So there you go. It's still held up. Uh, I have not seen any of the new shows.
0: It almost feels as if one of your, your the best delivery of one of your scripts was the one third season, was the price. Absolutely. I mean, do you feel. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, absolutely. Although I, I have to say that um, Denise Crosby, I thought she did such a great job in de- delivering her own eulogy. She did such a lovely job that uh, that anytime I see that, I go, oh, you know, it it, it really um, it makes me feel good to know that I was able to do that uh, to. Um,
0: send her off. And
1: to send her off in a, in a really good way.
0: So. Well, excellent. So we should all be looking for the name of your book coming is? Fortune's Son. Fortune's Son. Fortune's, Fortune's Son. We'll look for that in November. But Hannah, thank you so much for joining us here uh, and, and revisiting some of these years. Thankfully, they're not so painful and traumatic yeah. that uh, you don't mind walking us through them. And I, I feel like you kind of had a happy ending.
1: I did. The p- I did. That was, you know, um, yeah. Killer, Killer was a good guy. So, there you go. You know, ev- everything ends, so.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks again for joining My us. My pleasure. Hey everyone, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. All of our documents, and your chance to comment, are available at facebook.com slash Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me, at LarryNimacek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast.
1: For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.